Work It is sponsored by Carolina Asthma and Allergy Center, treating patients of all ages for a range of conditions, including food allergy, drug allergy, insect allergy, and asthma. Breathe. Live. Thrive. CarolinaAsthma.com. Over the last year, we've had the privilege of talking to a lot of people, and I've been pleasantly surprised by the positive relationships most of them have with their jobs. But a few really stood out. Oh my gosh, yes. We have had a couple of people who love their jobs, like love, love their jobs. Or as one of our guests today put it, I'm addicted, obsessed. Choose your adjective. Okay, I'll choose the adjective obsessed. We have spoken to some people who are obsessed with their jobs, and I'm not surprised. One of the strongest narratives in American culture about work is that you should love your work. We're always asking kids what they want to be when they grow up, encouraging graduates to follow their passions, and nowadays posting cheerful messages on social media about how much we love our careers. Oh, so true. Another narrative that gets so much airtime is work-life balance. Not giving everything to work, but instead committing to self-care and downtime routines. The tug and pull of these two narratives is so frustrating to me. Like, how practical is it to tell someone to be obsessed with their job, but also be zen and balanced? Obsession, by definition, means no balance. Wait, what? You've had the same job for more than 20 years. I thought you would be the one who had this all figured out and could explain it to the rest of us. Oh, I wish. I'm still trying to figure this out, too. For me, balance was important earlier in my career, so I actively sought out a job that would provide that. But now I'm surrounded by people who are obsessed with their jobs, and, well, I'm not. So I'm actively wrestling with this right now. Do I want to continue in a career that provides balance, or go all in on a career that might be all-consuming? And honestly, I'm just not sure. You're right. These narratives are at odds with each other. Hmm. Okay, Jill. Maybe our guests can help you. You said you follow the work-life balance route. Let's give you a taste of the be obsessed with your work life. Today, we're going to hear from a day trader and a software engineer, both of whom spend much more than nine to five working their jobs. That's coming up on the Work It Podcast. Hi, I'm Stephanie Hale. And I'm Jill Biers, and this is the Work It Podcast, where we have conversations with people about their relationships with their jobs and how it shapes their view of the world. Each episode, we follow our curiosities underneath the job and into the complex identities of the people we encounter in our everyday lives. Because on the Work It Podcast, our core belief is that it's the people, not the jobs, that are truly interesting. Now it's time to get to work. Okay, Jill, the coach in me wants to dive in on this just a little deeper with you. Tell me a little bit more about your job and why you chose it. Okay, well, the pay is good and the hours are flexible, which is great, especially when I was earning my degrees. Plus, in 2002, they created a work-from-home program, which I signed up right away. At the time, I was a single mom of a seven-year-old, so working from home was huge. But honestly, what's kept me there is mostly the travel benefits. If you ask most people in the airline industry why they started, the answer will be travel benefits. Because of them, I've been all over the world, over 100 countries, all seven continents, and which I just wouldn't have been able to do that otherwise. Those are some serious perks. What's causing you to reconsider your choice now? Well, my son's an adult, so that need is gone. Plus, on my birthday this year, I'm eligible to retire with lifetime flight benefits. 
So what's held me there for the past 23 years is secure. And that's kind of prompted me to look around at the people in my life, most of whom are the love their jobs type of people. And I'm wondering if maybe I should be looking for a job that I'm super passionate about. Yeah, that's an important question. Maybe our first guest will give you a glimpse of what life is like when you answer that question with a resounding yes. Ooh, that would be great. Then let me introduce you to Milad Hafezi. He's a stock trader, and he self-describes as addicted to trading, not to be confused with investing. Investment implies long-term. Trading implies short-term. I would say I don't have the luxury of investing. I'm not patient enough. Milad does seem to move quickly. I found him on LinkedIn, and he pretty immediately called me to tell me he'd be happy to do an interview, as long as it didn't take too much time. He was clear. Any time away from trading is a big sacrifice for him. So we met at the WFAE studios late one evening in February. Malad is young, fit, with thick, dark hair that looks like it might be a little curly if it were just a little bit longer. He's dressed in khaki shorts and a pastel-colored button-up shirt, and he starts fidgeting with the equipment before we even sit in the chairs. You can just see the energy in his body pushing to get out. And when he starts talking about investments, it's like opening up a dam that's even hard for him to close. Just listen. Operations is a very general term, but it is the most important component of a business, a partnership, a joint venture, you name it. Whether it be an investment vehicle or whether it be a small biotech company in Silicon Valley trying to get its first round of funding for you know, a patent. Yeah, I see what you mean. Sometimes it goes off into these descriptions of different financial instruments or trading strategies, and I'm like totally embarrassed because I've worked at a financial services firm for over a decade, and I'm like totally lost after two seconds. I'm really off topic here, so I'm going to let you reel me back in. Today, Milad is self-employed and very focused on his work. I think it's fair to say that he learned determination in the cradle. He's a first-generation American with parents from... Iran. They immigrated here because of the revolution in 79. They were married very young, not arranged. They decided to get married. The revolution begun and really took full force. And they had to part ways because the only way a female could leave the country was by going to school outside of Iran. So my mom went to beauty school in Germany. And his dad? He went to the military and it was just, I'll see you in America. Like We'll find a way there. His father arrived in America first, coming directly to Charlotte, and immediately started learning English, working odd jobs. He worked as a waiter. He worked at a gas station. Just anything to make money right when you moved here without a cent in his pocket. A couple years later, the young couple is reunited here in Charlotte and set down roots. They began a family and over time built a successful beauty salon business with several locations around Charlotte. That takes a lot of work. I've had extended stays in other countries, and being an outsider is really hard. It takes sustained dedication to learn a language and build a life in a radically different culture. I can see where he gets his strong motivation to succeed. I can't even imagine how difficult his parents' move to the U.S. must have been. Whether it's nature or nurture, Malad has exhibited singular focus and drive from a young age. I wanted to be homeschooled in middle school because I thought I was going to be a professional skateboarder. <laughs> Did his parents go for that? Uh, no. In his early years, sports were the subject of his attention. I was a pretty good skateboarder here in Charlotte. We wakeboarded, snowboarded. Number one passion was racing motocross, but too many accidents. But by the time he went to college in Virginia, 
his focus had narrowed to lacrosse. I played two years of Division Three lacrosse there. It was great. I once had a professor tell us that people often find that their life's purpose and passion is connected to the thing they were obsessed with when they were between the ages of 10 and 13. So that was sports for Malad. What were you into at that age, Jill? Um, probably writing. Anything from love letters to Simon Le Bon to poetry to horror stories. How about you, Steph? This will come as no surprise. Debate. Hey, two years of high school debate here, too. Like I said, I'm not embarrassed to be a nerd. I spent many high school weekends schlepping big boxes of newspaper clippings around for debate competitions. This is the origin of my love for one big aspect of my job. In both debate and facilitation, it's fast-paced, partially scripted, partially spontaneous. I love it. So here I am, 25 years later, schlepping research around the country for facilitation gigs. However, Malad is more of a serial obsessor. And so I kind of live by this two-year rule. And I can trace my life in two-year increments. So he was focused on lacrosse for the first two years of college. But as the cycle goes, it was time for a change. Sure enough, two years later, I'm at the University of South Carolina. Well, I transferred because I needed to focus on my future. When I realized professional lacrosse was not in the cards, living in Columbia, all I did was go to class and lift weights. And um, my professor... She pulled me aside after class. She said, listen, you know this stuff very well. This stuff being the personal finance class he had taken as part of his business major. This doesn't come easy to a lot of people. They're looking for people like you in the Student Success Center, specifically in the finance department. So my junior year, quickly, my schedule changed from going to class and kind of palms up, what do I do now? Instead of it being class practice, class lifting, it was class PowerPoint presentation to a freshman honors class about consumer credit. So I was teaching consumer credit as a junior to freshmen and then foreign exchange students. It was fun. I just realized, okay, I'll just apply my work ethic, whether it be towards the sport or classes or my career. It's natural that after college, his focus would shift to his career. But of course, Milad goes one step further. Just like I'm addicted to investment research, I was addicted to advancing my career. I went Charlotte, two years, San Francisco, two years, Miami, two years, and now I'm back home. During each of those stints, he was working day and night in investment firms, sometimes sleeping under the desk, moving quickly from one specialty to another. I realized through my time with Malad, which was in total four conversations, that this obsessive passion thing might be more a matter of expressing a personality trait than a specific career choice. Or as he would put it, I use the word addiction intentionally. Because um, it's fun. It is just fun. I've never thought through it like this. Growing up, action sports, there's a lot of adrenaline. Whether you're getting hit, delivering a hit, scoring a goal, winning a game, losing a game, your early years are what define you. Like They shape you. That's who you are. And I guess you could say I'm somewhat of an adrenaline junkie. <laughs> well, that's not a surprising revelation, given his choice of sports. But it wasn't all fun. Because I saw my life slipping away from me. I became inundated with work to the point where I tried to quit one of my jobs. They paid me tens of thousands of dollars and gave me an entire month off and a promotion because I tried to quit. It's hard to escape when you're in that deep. That taps right into one of my concerns of being totally consumed by my work. I'm so glad that he recognized it. 
Now tell me how he escaped. As a crazy cat lady, Jill, you're going to love this. He got a dog. I needed something that was going to force me out. Because if you give me this career and this income and this prospective career path, upward mobility, as they say, and you gave, gave my dog, I was like, I'm going to choose a dog 11 times out of 10. I know that that's mathematically impossible. But <laughs> that being said, I think you get the point. Is I think I unconsciously got something I knew I loved more than my job. And when push came to shove, I chose my dog. What an excellent way to break his addiction. More like replace the addiction than break it. Malad is pretty obsessed with his German Shepherd puppy, Hank. In fact, this is so cute. When I first called him to make the appointment for the interview, he told me, I can't stay past like seven because... But then rather than finish that sentence, he said, well, I'll just show you. And then he sent me a picture of Hank through text. (laughs) That's a total dog dad move. I know. I have had to cut a million appointments short over the years because of my kids. But never once have I texted someone their picture as an explanation. So right now, I have Hank in my phone as the photo that comes up with Milad's phone number. (laughs) That's great. So now he has two obsessions? Pretty much. Trading and playing with his dog. Like, I know when the traders go to lunch. I can feel it. You can tell the activity slows down, the numbers stop moving so fast, and you're like, I've got a 30-minute window. I won't miss out on a dipped buy or a spike to sell. I just grab Hank, and I don't take my phone. Just keys and poop bag, dog, lacrosse stick, and then a tennis ball and a lacrosse ball. That's what I call unplugging. I love his connection to Hank. But how does he fare with people? I'll let Malad speak for himself on this one. As soon as I begin interacting with someone, I just want to talk to them. I'm like, and I'm bouncing ideas off someone who has no interest in what I'm talking about. So what's my option? Go play fetch with Hank, go back home, and see what happened in the past two hours. Because something is always happening somewhere in the world. That's the most exciting thing to think about. There's always something happening. The sun's up somewhere, right? Someone's awake. They say it's five o'clock somewhere, like you're going drinking. In my head, it's 9.30 a.m. somewhere. People are trading. (laughs) On the surface, I could see how someone could be like, whoa, this dude is totally obsessed with making money. But actually, he never says anything to me about spending the money. No stories of elaborate vacations or cars or homes. Money comes, money goes. And he just keeps working all the same. In fact, he told me a couple of stories about losing big money, and his attitude floored me. 2017, I started options trading pretty significantly. I got my bonus, and I just dumped it into my brokerage account. I lost all of it, every last penny. It was terrible. I lost that money, but I learned so much about volume, open interest, options pricing, overpriced options, volatility. In fact, Milad actually goes so far as to call his losses tuition. To him, what he has learned by losing money is like paying for a class. What a luxury to be able to view money in such a fleeting way. I always thought that day trading is for people who are looking for a risky way to get rich quick. But that doesn't seem like Milad at all. Nope, it isn't. He also told me about a more recent big loss day during the coronavirus crash in March, 
And again, he was totally upbeat, calling it tuition. He isn't obsessed with money, so losing it doesn't kill his love for trading. Remember, he says he's an adrenaline junkie, so losing once in a while might actually make him like it more. I know, it's funny. His work is a totally consuming, fast-paced, high-risk roller coaster that would make most of us queasy. It's easy to think that this whole thing might be, like, unhealthy. But what I heard from him in every single interaction I had with him is joy. He does seem totally happy. His voice is lit up when he talks about both trading and Hank. After our second interview, he called me back, and we just chatted like two nerds about what might happen to higher education as a result of the coronavirus. We were coming up with crazy scenarios, and he was backing them up with all sorts of facts from the news, and it was really fun. He's just a very positive, happy, energetic guy. Not the image I have of a person who is living a life totally out of balance. You're right. He's delightful. In some ways, his life is so intense. But in other ways, it's really quite simple. I can't believe I'm saying this, but yeah, Malad makes a compelling case. I love that kind of passion, but honestly, it sounds kind of exhausting. Is there another way? Yep. Passion doesn't have to be fast. Our second guest is going to show us how to take it slower. That's right after this break on the Work It podcast. Support for Work It comes from WFAE members and from Carolina Asthma and Allergy Center, committed to educating both the patient and the caregiver with the goal to improve one's quality of life. Breathe, live, thrive. CarolinaAsthma.com. Hey, Work It listeners. Did you know there are more than a million individuals in the Charlotte area? That means countless moments, perspectives, and Work It stories to cover. So who should we interview next? a banker, a fast food worker, or maybe somebody you know. Submit your ideas at wfae.org slash work it. And while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast for free on Apple Podcasts, NPR One, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You never know who we might interview next. Now, let's get back to the episode. Before the break, we were talking to Malad about his two-obsession life. So, Jill, did that help any? Well... I'm still a little tired thinking about the pace of Milan. Yeah, he's a 20-something-year-old adrenaline junkie. Let's take a look at someone living a little different rhythm. Oh, that sounds great. Now let me introduce you to... Uh, my name is Kylie Dowling, and I am a software engineer. You know I'm not really tech-savvy, so sorry if this is a dumb question. What's the difference between a software engineer, a developer, and a coder? Not dumb at all. That's a great question. There's not really much of a difference. For the most part, they're interchangeable. Essentially, they all describe the same thing. Someone who writes code to create software. Okay, got it. I'll ask all my questions about what coding is some other time. <laughs> That's definitely a longer conversation. But for now, let's get back to Kylie. On the surface, well, Kylie's LinkedIn surface, she looks like someone who lives software development 24-7. She has a great day job, most of her connections are in tech, and all of her volunteer experiences in Charlotte's tech community. So I reached out to her to see if she'd be interested in being interviewed. She got back to me right away and was all in. Oh, Malad was really quick to respond to me too. I love how responsive these millennials are. <laughs> so true. Due to social distancing, we couldn't meet in person. So my only visual is from her LinkedIn profile. Natural black hair pulled off her face with a headband, studious-looking glasses, and a wide, bright smile. 
We met by phone just after work and chatted while she was still at the office. You know how you can hear somebody smile? Well, I could instantly hear her smiling, not to mention the giggling through our conversation. I didn't feel any of the social awkwardness that is often associated with software engineers. Right away, she was warm, personable, and thoughtful. Immediately, I could imagine the energy she must bring to everything that she does. So I originally worked in education nonprofits for roughly five years straight out of college. And I was working kind of on the program project management side. Nonprofit to coding. That's a pretty big shift in direction. What prompted her to make such a big change? I was finding that over time, I didn't really feel like I was learning or growing my career in the way that I was looking for. Um, There are limited opportunities, and I wasn't entirely sure the work itself was a fit for me. I can relate to that sentiment. That is exactly where I am right now. So I started kind of exploring more like STEM-focused careers. So I was looking at accounting, software engineering, and um, kind of taking classes at the local community college to kind of explore both. And I ended up choosing software engineering. I'm not entirely sure why I made that choice between the two, but um, I had never coded before, never took a programming class, and just was started self-teaching, took a class at community college, and went from there. Kylie is a communications major like me, and I never learned anything about technology in school. Technology is actually pretty intimidating to me. I would never think about trying to teach myself how to code. I wouldn't even know where to begin. Did you have a friend or a mentor or someone who got her interested in coding? Nope. I think that's part of what makes Kylie's journey to software development really interesting. We talked for a while about representation and how important it is. Most women in tech don't have that, and Kylie is no exception. Women in tech are seriously underrepresented. Like, how underrepresented? Well, according to the Pew Research Center, less than 25% of computing jobs are held by women, and only 3% of those are black women. Oh. Yeah, women like Kylie are a rarity. Luckily, Kylie didn't let that slow her down. She had decided she wanted to work in STEM and started working towards that goal. But eventually she had to go back to school, I imagine, right? Well, kind of. She didn't go back to college, but she did get more training. I also quit my job. Moved to Ohio, (laughs) spent a bunch of money on my coding boot camp. (laughs) For those of you that don't know, in tech, a boot camp is a fast-paced coding school, usually between two to six months, and can start at about $7,000 and go up from there. And then showed up in Charlotte, you know, so uh, financially it was a a great investment long-term, but initially it was quite the hit. She'd already invested in a bachelor's degree, so changing fields could be seen as not making good on that big investment. I wonder how her parents took it. So my mom was really supportive. I think it was unexpected because um, as far as kind of like what my personality type was and my interests, uh, my degree is in communications and business. And in general, I'm like a big reader and writer. So computer programmer, I don't think fit, but it was never a discouraging thing. It was just like, oh, this is what you want to do. So far, Kylie seems determined, but not obsessive. I'd agree. If you were looking at her from the outside, you'd totally think that she was obsessed with coding. But even though it's a huge part of her life and her social interactions, she isn't obsessed. She is fully willing to commit to obsessive behavior to learn, but doesn't seem to live in that space as comfortably as Milad does. So for instance, the idea that she spends her free time going to meetups is part of what makes her look like she's obsessed. However, there's a goal in there. Just listen. I started going to meetups pretty early on. 
And so this was even before I had like my first developer job. I went to meetups because I was reading online. Go to meetups and network with other developers, go to conferences. If there was a perfect recipe for making a successful career shift, Kylie's got it. Initiative and curiosity propelling her to formal education, then on to social learning from more experienced coders. She knows how to go after this goal. Yeah, but even the best laid plans can have disappointing turns. And I remember being kind of the only, usually the only woman, usually the only black person, and always feeling like kind of also usually the only person who's not a professional developer or an experienced developer, or at least having that feeling. And so I remember feeling kind of like out of place and kind of a little bit discouraged about coming back. Representation really matters. It absolutely does. But that's where Kylie's sense of community comes in. She uses that energy to create a space that she wishes was there for her. And so I think going into the field professionally, I was really seeking opportunities to connect with other people who look like me, obviously, and like exploring like kind of like more diverse meetup groups, but then also supporting in that. So um, being an organizer for local tech groups that are for either women in tech or just underrepresented groups. And I think as I have progressed as a developer, I have had an opportunity to both be a person of color, a woman of color in tech, a black woman in tech. So having more work experience and being able to kind of like provide guidance and mentorship and things like that. Love it. If it's not there for you, build it for someone else. Yeah, you can see her roots in education coming through, but that comes with confidence. It was different in the beginning. So when I first started in the field, I had a lot to learn. I didn't know what I needed to learn. And I don't think I was necessarily wanting to create more opportunities for myself, um, but I just wanted to like be in it. I think I just like, I just wanted to know and I wanted to learn. I was really hungry for it. So I was um, working as a developer by day and then I was doing either meetups after work or being involved in different um, like open source projects. And that was kind of my life for a while. Like Milad, Kylie also operates in cycles. Not like cycles with her job in cities, but more like cycles with her energy. She's really thoughtful when she talks about how these cycles impact her. She'll sprint for a while. And then there were times when I became very burnt out on it. And I think in software engineering and in tech in general, the industry moves fast. And there is a lot of conversation about like, you know, if you're really passionate about this, you'll do it all the time. And there have been times when I've been a part of study groups. And then there have been times when I literally just do my job during the day, log off and do nothing related to work. And I think just finding that balance and kind of acknowledging that that's going to come and go and recognizing the burnout, because I think there was definitely a time where I was a little bit resentful about how much time and mental energy was being taken up by this. Resentful is such a good word. It totally describes my hesitation to go all in on something that I'm really passionate about. I don't want to start resenting that passion because it threw the rest of my life out of balance. The way I've always thought about this is that I want to have a job that leaves me full at the end of the day, rather than empty. I need to be full to give energy to my family, and I knew I couldn't run a house and raise kids if working wiped me out. So loving my job actually gives me the energy to be engaged in the other parts of my life. I'm a little more like Malad, maybe. For me, the obsession is energizing. Kylie was really energized by moving towards her goal and becoming an experienced software developer. Exactly. But life has a way of reminding you that your career doesn't exist in a vacuum. What's going on in the other parts of our life has an impact on the way we see ourselves and can change what we want. Like on a personal side, like my mom died at the end of February. And so I've been kind of navigating what does my life mean now? 
like understanding that like this is kind of the time for space and grace. I love the point she's making. It's so universally true. Just when you think you've got it all figured out, life has a way of prompting you to reevaluate and reimagine. And that takes time. Grace and space should be my new motto. Such an eloquent reminder that as I go through something similar with my life right now, while my mom's doctors are still upbeat about her prognosis, her ongoing battle with a very aggressive cancer has really changed my perspective on things. It made me reevaluate my priorities, even where I live. This conversation has made me realize maybe this is why making a decision about my career feels so heavy on my mind. I'm in a constant state of conflicting thoughts, bouncing between life is short, live your passion, and there's more to life than work. However, Kylie reminds us that it doesn't diminish our goals to give ourselves a little bit more grace during hard times. We could all use a little more grace. Jill, you came into this episode with the question, do you want to continue your current job with all its perks or switch gears and find a job that you're really passionate about? How are you feeling about that question now that you've gotten a deeper look into the lives of two people who took the route of pursuing passion? Honestly, at the beginning, I had a little bit of judgment about Milan, expecting to have his story confirmed that obsession kills balance. So I'm better off staying in my current job. But I was really surprised at how happy he is. And I love that he's creating a life where he finds balance hour by hour with Hank. Maybe it's not an either or equation that I imagined. Yeah, I think that's true. What strikes me is that both of these people, who are both under 30, so pretty early in their working years, describe their passion as having a cyclical nature. Both shared a moment where they were like, whoa, I need to make a change here. Even though I love this work, I'm burning out. So they got a dog or just punched the time clock for a while. However they do it, they work it out. So maybe this isn't a question of, did I do it wrong by not pursuing a strong passion and now I need to do it right and become obsessed? Maybe there is no right or wrong answer, just phases in the cycle. So I think I'm ready to say that I'm at the end of this phase and I'm ready to look for something new and prioritize passion in that search. Yes, I was hoping that's where you were going to land. Now I have a million ideas for you. Have you considered opening a bakery or maybe you could even start an event planning business? Whoa. (laughs) Oh no, I've triggered Stephanie's passion for talking to people about their jobs. Calm down, Steph. Remember, Grace, I'm going to need to take time with this. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Going slow. The Work It Podcast is a production of WFAE. This episode was hosted by Stephanie Hill, who's obsessed with eating from her garden. And Jill Biers, who obsesses about making her cookies Pinterest-worthy. Our producer is Joni Deutsch, who obsesses about Lisa Frank stickers and 90s cartoons. Our editor is Greg Collard, who obsesses about country music. And a special thanks to our guests for today's episode, Milad and Kylie. We heard their stories, and now we want to hear yours. Yes, you. You listening right now. We want your story. So go to wfae.org slash workit, or leave us a comment on facebook.com slash workitpodcast. And share with us why you should be interviewed for our upcoming episode. And while you're at it, make sure you subscribe to the Work It podcast so you can hear the next episode as soon as it's released. You can subscribe to Work It on NPR One, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, keep on working it. Work It is sponsored by Carolina Asthma and Allergy Center, dedicated to treating and curing asthma and allergy challenges with patient care for all ages. 13 locations in the Charlotte area. Breathe. Live. Thrive. CarolinaAsthma.com.